I just loved what the both of you guys said. And I didn't really know what to bring tonight. I had different ideas and I'm always really seeking the Lord. I, we, none of us want to bring anything that's not the Lord. There's just no point. And I really do believe this is a critical time. And we don't want to bring doom and gloom, as Bill said, absolutely not. But at the same time, there's a reality that we're in a world where things are a bit crazy sometimes. And, and as you were speaking, Bert, I was not going to bring this message. <laughs> I was going to speak about the two options, and this is the third option. And it's all about the altar. Because if we're going to govern the earth as the ecclesia, it's just what you said, Bert, it just really struck me. And it, for God to rule through us in the nations, he first of all has to rule in us. We will rule as much in the earth as as much as Christ rules in us. And if we're not fully yielded, then the government cannot fully function through us. And it sounds a simple message in a way, but we have got to be fully yielded. And I do believe, I feel like what Bill was saying tonight, there's a, we're at a critical moment. And we could be shut down next week or the week after. But I really believe that in this time, God is dealing with us individually and he wants us to fully yield to him, fully surrender. And I'm talking about the altar tonight. He wants us to put our life fully on the altar so that he can change us, mold us, shape us into his image so that he can begin to rule through us even if we're in our bedroom, like Bill says. I believe God's about to shape us into the ecclesia that he dreamed of. You see, he said he would build his ecclesia. But as Bert said, I completely agree. The church as we know it is not the way the church is supposed to be. And we don't say that critically. We're not criticizing. All we're doing is saying we agree with God. Because he said, I will build my ecclesia. And the gates of hell, the government of hell will not prevail against it. I don't think we, what we've got now, looks anything like what God wants to build. But it all comes down to us as the individual members fully yielding to him. And if we place ourselves on the altar individually, when we come together corporately as a body, we will be a force to reckon with. And even if we get locked down, we individually will be one in the spirit. We will not be bound by time or space because we will be one in the spirit and actually the ecclesia meets in the heavenlies because every spiritual blessing is in heavenly places in Christ in Mount Zion, the ecclesia is in heaven. I know this is a mystery and I know that sometimes we can't quite grasp it. We just read the pages of Hebrews and go, the church is in Mount Zion in heaven. What does that even mean? It means we are seated in heavenly places but we don't engage there fully if we're not fully yielded. And God is looking for something that can actually, as Bill was saying, we can speak one word. And I'm telling you, this is coming. We can speak one word in union with God and the corrupt government will be replaced in a moment. And other righteous governments will be raised up in a moment. But for that to happen, we've got to be in a place of fully being yielded the altar. 
And this is Romans 12. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You know, we think singing is worship. (laughs) True worship is presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Altars. I was not going to speak about this tonight at all. It was not in my mind. But I really believe this is more important than we think. Because we don't know what's coming over the next few weeks. And as Bill says, we're not fear-mongering or anything like that. But what would happen if there's a group of people, 20 people here tonight or whatever it is. And it's not not self-effort I'm talking about. The sacrifice itself could do nothing. (laughs) The sacrifice could do nothing except be a sacrifice. And it was a few weeks ago, I think I mentioned it here, I was talking about the Jean Darnell vision that talked about the fire falling all across this land. And we're all longing for the fire and we're all longing for that revival. And we're wondering why it never happened. And I woke up one morning And I really felt strongly from the Lord that we are waiting on the fire, but God is waiting on the sacrifice for the fire. He's waiting on us yielding fully, but I must emphasize because sometimes when we've been in a legalistic type church, we think that means a lot of self-effort. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just saying, Lord, I fully surrender to you. I ask for your grace to empower me to be fully yielded to God through the grace of God, not self-effort, not the flesh. So what are, what are altars? They're places of worship, real worship. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. They're places of death. <laughs> They're places of sacrifice. They're places of exchange sin for forgiveness the places of fire a burnt offering the cross is the ultimate altar and Christ died for us absolutely but unless we die we will not truly live and I believe tonight as a real urgency a real call to truly die And the governments of this world, the enemies, principalities and powers might have one plan, but God is going to use this plan like the principalities and powers thought they had Christ killed, dead. And the principalities and powers of this world will think they've got the church dead. But actually, it's in this death that we will find life. (laughs) It's in this death that we're going to live a resurrected life in the heavenlies that the church has not seen in this nation so far because we've all been doing our own thing, our own programs, our own ideas, our own efforts, but suddenly we've been forced into an era of forced change, 
of death to self. And we always think of the death to self part as negative, but it's actually not negative because it's only through death that you begin to find life. There's a resurrection life available that we have never experienced. But it takes us laying our life down on the altar to be burned with the fire, the flame, to be changed, to be transformed. Do you know that word where it says, be ye transformed? It's far greater than what we imagine. It actually says, be ye transfigured. Can you imagine, have you ever read about the transfiguration of Jesus? Can you imagine when your body is physically transfigured, where you begin to glow like white light? Do you know God's got a dream for a body that's far greater than we've ever seen? And there's darkness on the earth, but there's a body that he has prepared beforehand, a man-child. We talk about this a lot. What does that mean? In Revelation, it talks about the dragon that tries to kill the woman and the child before the child is born. What is that? It's God's plan on the earth out of the church will come a man-child, a mature son, who rule in the heavens, who engage the heavens, who know how to govern. Far greater than any just church as we have known it. First Peter 2.11 says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. In Romans 8.13 it says, For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the, dead, the deeds of the body, you will live. God's been beginning to teach me stuff to do with this. Because we just read this like, well, that's lovely. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I will live and go to heaven. Do you know God's got a plan where he, we think Christ is going to just come and say he come and take us all away and we're just going to be raptured out of here. And I'm not saying the rapture's not going to happen, but what I'm saying is before that ever happens, God has got a plan where he wants to reveal the fullness of Christ in you. Yeah. In a body. Yeah. On earth. Yeah. The fullness the man-child, the mature son, whatever language you want to use, God has a plan to have a body of people on earth who Satan can't even touch. Like Christ, they tried to throw him off the cliff, but he just walked through the mist of the crowd. Do you know what that actually means? He walked through people. And we are seated with him. You see, the gospel is far greater than we've ever imagined. We have to become like Christ. To walk in the full stature of Christ. The whole reason for the apostolic is not just to train people how to prophesy or speak in tongues or pray for the sick. The real function or the greater function of the true apostolic is to birth a people who walk in the fullness of Christ. The revealing. There's something about the revealing of Christ in you and me. There's something about the revealing of Christ in us. But it can only happen as we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Fully yielded. Like Paul said, 
I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. You know, we quote this, yeah, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. But I believe that was a process in Paul's life. It wasn't just an instant thing. It wasn't just a, a concept that he understood. It wasn't just a mental ascent. He got to a place in his life where he said, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Christ, the revealing of Christ. He is going to be revealed in us. You see, we are waiting on revival. Do you know, that is not God's best. God's best is that Christ will be revealed in a body of people. And it's this body of people that will be the ecclesia. It's this body of people that will rule from the heavens. God has a magnificent plan that's cosmic, that's beyond even the earth of a people who know how to be like Christ. It says when he comes, we will be like him. There's a prophet in America named um, Bobby Connor, and he prayed once and he thought it was a really lovely religious prayer. <laughs> he thought it was a nice prayer. And he said, Oh Lord, there is none like thee. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, Ain't that a shame? Oh Lord, there is none like thee. We're supposed to be transformed into his image. We're supposed to be like him. You see, well, we are not like him. We're just functioning out of gifts. We've got a gift of prophecy. We've got a gift of healing. And we think that's the ultimate. Do you know that is not the ultimate? The ultimate is to be like Christ where you can walk past people and your shadow heals people without you even doing a thing. Why? Because it's the fullness of Christ. You're functioning out of the fullness. Out of the fullness of wisdom, like Daniel and Joseph, where you can give counsel to governments. Why? Because you've got the fullness of wisdom. The fullness of knowledge, like the woman at the well. It's not just a little word like there's someone here with a sore leg or a sore knee. You can tell someone everything they ever did. Not to expose them, but to reveal Christ to them. But all of this comes from yieldedness. And surrender, the altar. Until we can say, it's not I that live, but Christ. And some of us are not willing because we enjoy doing our own thing. We enjoy doing everything our way. You can apply that to our individual life or the church life. We like to do it our way. We like to do it, our ministry does it this way and our denomination does it that way. You know, we've not to be prophets of our denomination. We have to be prophets of Christ. It's a big difference. And you know, we've not to preach about Christ. We've to preach Christ. There's a big difference. Yeah. Do you know the saints of all preached Christ? In other words, 
it was manifest. We preach about them. We preach concepts. We preach nice stories. The difference between us and them was they preached Christ. The Pentecostal pioneers, when they preached, it was like a realm of God came because they were emanating the message, the Christ one in them, through them, brought the message of Pentecost to their generation. The emanation of Christ. But it all comes from us laying our life down on the altar. Timothy 2.21 says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honour, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Hmm. I think I've read this before. John 21.18 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger... You used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished, but when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. You know, we, that, in the natural, that was Jesus telling Peter that one day he would be martyred. But in the spirit, there's also a message that when we are young, when we are just like children, we can do what we like as a Christian, but when you are old, when you mature, God's looking for those in union with himself so that you no longer do what you want. And I'm not talking about religious legalism that binds you. I'm talking about freedom where you live in the fullness of Christ. But like Jesus, you only do what you see the Father doing. You see, we as a ministry just want to do what the Father's doing. We don't, know what, we don't want to run ahead of God at all. We have said, we don't have the energy to just do stuff. And then, what's the point? Coming, these days, is coming back, the idea, the truth, that Christ is the head. Yeah. And through the headship ministries, the government, the true apostolic, God will speak and say, I want you to do this, I want you to do that. You see, the true apostolic, the true government, comes from yielded vessels who are in tune with the union with union with God in tune with the head and the apostles and prophets get the blueprint from heaven not ideas of men not just good evangelistic programs but get the blueprints from heaven that's the purpose of the true apostolic and that Christ will be revealed in us When we are older, like Peter, we cannot do what we want. We cannot go where we want to go. It's got to be him, or we won't do it. Catherine Kuhlman said this, I surrendered unto him all there was of me, everything. Then for the first time, I realized what it meant to have real power. I don't know about you, but I want to see that real power in our meetings or gatherings. Real power. I heard stories about the Jeffrey brothers 
Hugh Black. I don't know if you know who he is, but he was a minister in Greenock. And he talks about the Jeffrey brothers when they came to Greenock. And they said they had real power. Like when they walked in the room, it was like they, they became like a door. And the fullness of Christ was in the room. And it's like everybody came under that shadow of their government, of who they were. And the Jeffrey brothers, I don't know if it was Stephen or George in Greenock, I'm not sure. But he would just be totally in one with the spirit. And he would walk up to the back and he knew there was someone there with arthritis and he would say, be healed. And within a radius of 20 feet, every single body that had arthritis, the bones and everything would crack into place. Just by being near him. Why? Because these people were yielded vessels. They had put themselves on the altar. They carried the fullness of Christ. They walked in that realm of living beyond the veil. They knew what it was to have real power. Catherine Kuhlman also says this, the Heavenly Father does not ask for golden vessels. He does not ask for silver vessels. God asks for yielded vessels. God's not looking for superheroes in the sense of we need to be really strong and really incredible people. And He's looking for weak people. He's looking for everybody here. Sometimes we disqualify ourselves because we think, well, it, it can't be me. It is you. Because none of us are strong in ourselves anyway. None of us can do it. But he just needs us to yield, to put ourselves on the altar. Spurgeon says, if Christ is not all to you, he is nothing to you. He will never go into partnership as a part saviour of men. If he be something, he must be everything. And if he be not everything, he is nothing to you. You see, I think in this shutdown, this lockdown, even if there's a new one coming, it might be difficult, it might be hard, but I tell you what, the pressure is forcing a company of people to make Christ everything. He's using it like a fire to, to consume us. He's using it like a, as he's the potter and we are the clay. He's using it to find a people in Scotland, in Glasgow, in Fife. Even if it's one, as Bert said, it's Bill, it's not Bert. <laughs> Even if it's one, God can use one person to change a nation. He used two old ladies in Lewis who were fully yielded. He used one man in Wales, Evan Roberts, who was fully yielded. A.W. Tozer says, the essential condition of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to yield everything to God, even the things that in themselves may be harmless. Why? For no other reason than to prove our will is wholly laid down and that God is all in all. You know, I believe we're about to experience the, a real, real baptism of the Holy Spirit as we yield to him. I'm expecting any night, whether it's a Friday night or some other night, when we truly get baptized in the Spirit again, because I think we've watered it down. 
I think we think that baptism is spirit is just a few words and tongues. When baptism means complete immersion, completely saturated. Can you imagine being saturated, immersed in the fullness of God? It's far more than a little tongue. It's far more than just prophesying. It's walking in this full presence of God. Jesus said that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. The Ruach, the breath of God. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. The Spirit of counsel and might. Do you know, the fullness of God is far greater than just a little tongue. We're going to experience this. It's going to happen in Scotland. It's going to happen with someone, somewhere. But it does depend on us putting ourselves on the altar. And I'm not talking about self-effort. I'm talking about simply giving him your will and saying, Lord, I want to surrender to you. Because if we're going to govern as the ecclesia, as a body, each individual part of the body must surrender fully to God's will. Because if you've got one part of the body, the kidney, and it's not surrendered and it wants to do something that's in opposition to the heart, it's not going to work. But when you've got true unity of the spirit, not unity where we get 50 people in a room and call that unity, it's unity of the spirit by 50 people being fully yielded to God. When two or three come together, fully yielded, fully surrendered, there am I in the midst. And when we fully surrender, we will walk in the fullness. It's in this place where we enter God's rest and cease from our own agendas. There's a place in God where you don't function out of your own agendas at all. It's a place of rest. Rest doesn't mean inactivity. It means you're not doing anything in your own strength, in your own ability. But you're doing everything out of the place of being in union with God. It's in this place when we are surrendered that we will experience complete union with God. The saints of old spoke about this, Madame Guyon, Brother Lawrence. A place called union. Oneness. It's in this place, it's a hundredfold life. <laughs> Do you know there's an option for us to live a thirtyfold life, a sixtyfold life, or a hundredfold life? There's the good, there's the acceptable, and there's the perfect. Individually, we can just function and just get along and just live a nice life. Good. Good ministry. Good church. Good meetings. Or we can go for something far greater which takes us yielding, surrendering, placing our life on the altar, and we can live a hundredfold life. It's at that place we will say, no longer I live, but Christ who lives in me. It's at that place we will say, 
Not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. Individually and corporately as a body. Can you imagine a corporate body? And it's not about our ideas. If Christ, the Son of God, said, not my will, what right do we have to say, let me build this and let me do that? We don't have any right. We've got to yield and die and say, not my will, not our will, not the right Scotland's will, but God's will. We will cease from our own works and do only what the Father is doing. We will be possessed by God, like Reese Hills. You see, we've got to get this. Because what happens if we do get locked down and we can't meet together? What would happen if we all individually surrender fully and then when we come back together, the glory that would be here? The, oh, the fear of the Lord that would be here. The presence of God. Greater than Solomon. Do you know God's got a, a plan to have the glory amongst us that's greater than Solomon? <laughs> Do you know God is building a house that he himself can come and dwell? But each stone must be fully yielded. To be filled with God. It's at that place when we are fully yielded that we will be changed from glory to glory. We will be fully united in Him and we'll be living from beyond the veil. But it all comes from us simply yielding and being willing to put our own life on the altar. And I'm convinced that this ministry is all about us individually yielding, fully, fully yielding, fully surrendering, fully putting ourselves on the altar. Then when we come together as the ecclesia of God, when we speak from heaven then, Nations will shake. Mary, Queen of Scots, said she feared the prayers of John Knox more than all the armies of Europe. We're going to be in a place where we speak as oracles, fully backed by heaven, walking in authority that this planet has never seen, walking in greatness and power, Great humility, but great power. Because God has suddenly found a people who are willing to put themselves on the altar. And I know that this can seem a heavy message, but this is not a heavy message really, because this is the way to life. This is the way to live in the resurrected life. We read about the death and the resurrection and glorification of Christ, but that's supposed to be what happens to us. It's not just something that happened to a historical Jesus. We are the body of Christ and we've got to get through that place of death and resurrection and glorification where we become like him. The revealing of Christ in us. But for that to happen, we've got to lay down the church as it is. 
what Bill says, there's going to be two churches in the land. One church that's in the spirit, fully yielded, surrendered, and another church that just keeps going, doing its own programs, its own ideas. And for us individually, we've got to choose, do we want the good, the acceptable, or the perfect? Do we want to live in that place of union with God? That place of the fire? That place of continual revival? That place of continual movement of the Holy Spirit? That place of continually being filled with God? That place of continual power and authority? Father, I just ask tonight, that you'll help us individually be willing to be willing to surrender Father we if you agree with me just individually just just say Lord I want to give you everything I want to be one of those ones who fully yielded to become a vessel of honour, to become part of a body of Christ, the man-child, the mature son, the Christ ones on earth that will transform regions and towns and villages and even nations. Say, Lord, give me the grace to do this. Because it's not our ability. It's not hitting ourselves over the head and repenting all the time, thinking we are worms. No, it's simply yielding to his power and his strength and his ability. His salvation, his plan of redemption. We could not do a thing for ourselves and we still can't accept yield. So Lord, accept our bodies as a living sacrifice tonight. Individually and corporately as a body. That we might be ones that you can send fire on that we might be ones that you can raise up as the ecclesia to render your purposes and even judgments and nations, ones that you can speak through to root out ungodly governments and to put in place righteous governments, that we will truly know what it means to be kings and priests, functioning from the throne room, functioning from a seat in heaven. That we will know how to yield and use the scepter. That we will know how to function out of the place, the real place in heaven called Mount Zion. Where we will be taught from heaven 
that we will realize that we have an anointing in us that teaches us that we have Christ in us, the hope of glory, that we are going to be transformed and that Christ is going to be revealed. A mystery, a hidden mystery, kept secret through the generations, through the ages, that Christ would live in us and be revealed in us and through us. And that we would be raised from paupers to princes, from the earthly dust to a royal throne, to govern with God his plans, his purposes, to the earth and creation.